We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues, this is the podcast for you. Welcome everyone to the Highland Bullpen and we're continuing our journey around the football grounds of the United Kingdom. Now Alan, I believe you were recently on a trip and you've increased your already impressive number of grounds you visited. Yes, I was fortunate enough to have access uh, to a wee holiday cottage down near Grantham uh, in Lincolnshire. I think that's in Lincolnshire. Um, Certainly that's the way I, I drove. So for those people looking for a bigger descriptive, would it be fair to say that's the Midlands? It's possibly not the Midlands to the English folk. It's probably a wee bit um, away from there, but it's sort of mid, it's on sort of geographic par with that part of the country. So having had the chance to be down there and do stuff for a week, obviously I accessed our favourite app, Footballogy, uh, and used that to find out what football was on during the week and uh, yeah I did manage to accumulate five new grounds in my my week away and as Mr Ince well knows I managed to get some horse racing in there as well. Um, I had a couple of postponements uh, which accounts for one of the non-league grounds I went to which I, uh, I'll admit I wasn't planning to but uh, it was great to do. I love going to see the different grounds, see the different teams. I think I think it's nice to see the setup. It's nice to see the fans. It's nice to get a bit of a feel for all these teams and names and ground names that you've known for years and then to um, under, understand it. Uh, because it's ground hopping, most, most of them I'm going to do uh, just the once, I suspect. Uh, but yeah, good to do that. D- Dave? Uh, just wondering, you you this trip planned for a little while, Alan, and you mentioned... You had an idea of these teams before going down. Were there any that you were particularly interested in seeing? Or uh, I know you'll come on to each of them individually, but just before you do, any of those that you just thought that's that's going to be the kind of highlight of the trip, even if you were wrong? Me being wrong, how often does that happen? Or <laughs> <laughs> answers on a large postcard, please. Um I'm I'm going to go for the non-traditional or maybe the traditional answer and probably say that the the, the one Premiership game I went to dur- during the week was going to be my highlight. Um, Travelled a wee bit further for this. We called it the Midlands, but I went down to Watford in the north of London, which was just about a two-hour drive. Um, fairly comfortable drive down to the ground, although it was an evening game on the Friday. Uh, easy to get there. Fairly easy to get into Watford. Uh, but that had the advantage of being a bottom of the table clash with Norwich City. Uh, so a right tight, or what should have been a tight relegation battle in which City triumphed deservedly, I would say, 3 0. Um, and that saw the demise of the Claudio Ranieri as the Watford manager. 
Dave? Just while you're at this point, Alan, for, for those people listening that tend not to, to do exactly as we do, how did you come about getting tickets for these sorts of occasions with so much being ticketed this uh, in this weather? Yeah, well, the, 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 the biggest disappointment is the fact that they all go on your phone. Uh, so the, the pin board where I collect all my tickets for the season, um, I, I, I think we'll come back in a couple of years' time and that'll be a pin board with nothing on it. Uh, so... Uh, that that's the disappointment. But um, Watford Norwich, I was I was a wee bit surprised. I, I don't follow attendances closely enough, uh, but I had a suspicion that a bottom of the table clash of such importance on a Friday night uh, might have been quite tough to get tickets to. But I, I guess you have the advantage as a solo traveller in these situations that you, you can do that. So um, I went to. Um, uh, simply went online to to Watford. What do you have to do? And you have to do that. Um, so anybody can buy the tickets, Dave and, and Richard, but what you have to do is register effectively as a supporter of that club. Uh, now, the odd thing is there must be 40 clubs or whatever <laughs> in England that I'm then registered as a, as a supporter of. Um, a because they won't sell a ticket to somebody who's not registered. I, I'm assuming that will go back to elements of football supporting and hooliganism that we don't really want to talk about, that there will be a database, presumably, of people who, who shouldn't be accessing uh, tickets. Um, so for this week, I I even went... Uh, so I did two premiership grounds as well as did one premiership game, Watford Norwich. also saw... Uh, Leicester play Brighton in the King Power Stadium, so another Premiership ground to go to. But it was a women's Super League game. Uh, and again, I had pretty sure I had to register with Leicester City for that then as well to, to be able to access a ticket for, for that as well, which which makes sense given the reasons I was saying that this this exists. So there is a wee bit of a rigmarole involved in that. But when, once you've done it, you've done it. If I wanted to go back, I guess they know I'm there uh, and I can then go and do it again. So, yeah, so good good question. Richard? Just thinking it's very changed days, isn't it? Because you're right, Alan, you've got all that kind of data trail, if you like, now forever you're going to buy a ticket for something. Whereas traditionally in decades gone by, you could just roll up to a, a football ground at quarter to three and hand over your 10 quid or whatever it was and yeah. that was you in. It's a very different world we're in now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so... When I did a lot of work in the the north of England, um, that's where I picked off quite a few of the grounds then. But I'd I'd be in the northeast in Yorkshire a bit, um, so I've been to Hillsborough for Sheffield Wednesday, and I was working once, and I thought Sheffield United had a home game, uh, possibly in my relatively early days of ground hopping, um, and I thought, yeah, it's a forty-five minute journey. Let, let's go to Sheffield United and go and do this. Um, and I, I couldn't buy a ticket on the night of the game. Uh, so Sheffield United would have been playing in the championship, the second tier at that time. The, when, I, when I went into the, the shop, they were very helpful, and they said, oh, just go on to your Sheffield United account uh, and, and buy a ticket. And I said, well, I don't have an account. And they said, well you, well, you can't. I couldn't create one on the day of the game. And the rule seems to be, if you're going to a game, 
where the away team have sold out their allocation, they will not sell any tickets on the day of a game. So they were playing Sunderland, who would have a great support and a great travelling support. They sold out. So therefore, they're not going to sell any tickets for the home end to anyone, presumably on the assumption that the most people who would travel and look to do that would potentially be away fans. So there's there's an element of logic to that. But that yeah, that was a wasted journey. And, and the weather was crap uh, that night as well. So trying to get home was <laughs> the most enjoyable. Uh, I, I think I did go into footballology and there was non-league football around, but that was the weather was sufficiently bad. That was postponed as well. So yeah, that, that unfortunately happens. I was lucky enough. I went, I had a ticket for Rotherham. Uh, interestingly, Rotherham were playing in South Yorkshire. They were playing Lincoln. Uh, and I, I would never have known, but obviously that's two teams that actually aren't that far apart. They're probably uh, less than an hour apart. Uh, and that would never have crossed my mind. The game was postponed. Um, I think it was frozen pitch. Uh, it was postponed then about lunchtime. So I again used footballogy and went to see Melton Town play Anstey Nomads or Anstey or Anstey Nomads in Melton Mowbray. And can you take a guess what the prize was in the halftime raffle? Well, I don't know if I'm disqualified, Alan, but I was watching the game on Sky Sports that night. <laughs> uh, I was able to see at that point. Uh, let's go for a hamper, a food hamper. A food hamper with a Melton Mowbray pork pie. So obviously it's the home of the pork pie, Mel- Melton Mowbray. Uh, but it was also being joined in the winning raffle ticket um, with a bottle of Malbec. So presumably it goes well with a nice uh, bottle of red Malbec. So I, I do like to, when I travel... The grounds, certainly the smaller grounds like that, I do like to buy, I'll, I'll buy the programme. Um, they don't tend to sell fridge magnets to add to my stupid collection of those, but I'll, I'll enter the halftime raffles. I've never won a halftime raffle in my life. I'm reckoning I must be at the point, having been to plenty of games at that level, I must be at the point where the odds have surely got to be in my favour at one point. So I don't know if this ties in with me, my golfing strategy of I've never had a hole in one. So when I do get a hole-in-one, it's going to be at a famous hole or course. That when I do win a halftime raffle, it's actually going to be a big one. And it's going to be thousands of pounds and not a Melton Mowbray pork pie. Just imagine how many pork pies you could buy with a big winner. Yes, absolutely. So you obviously you pay cash to get into those sort of games. I would imagine... All the four senior leagues, you have to register in advance, but probably when you get down to national league level, you're able to turn up and pay cash to get into the games. Yep. Yeah, and I just wondered how that kind of cost compared. I know you've been to AAA baseball and I think possibly even AA baseball in America. How much would that cost to get in compared to the kind of lower league football here? Yeah, I'm trying to... Melton Mowbray... um, I think it was like five or six pound, um, which is comparable with the. I know it's not called junior football anymore, but it's not. It's not far off what you'd pay for sort of junior football then as well. Um, it it's interesting. There's a couple of hundred people there. A nice setup, artificial pitch. Um, 
I think these clubs have to look at artificial pitches and it's a community complex then, then as well. Um, I think that's the way forward. It's got to help them with costs and expenses. Um, but yeah, it's the, a lot of these clubs are going to rely on local community and, and benefactor and, and the halftime draw and what have you. A very enjoyable that I can go to a game like that and uh, I went to the, the refreshment stand before the game, bought myself a portion of chips and a pint. I was able to log the pint on untapped as well. And then I was able to sit in the stand uh, and watch the game with my chips and my pint. And I just think that's just such a civilised thing for us to be able to do. I just love the fact that you start talking about pies and pints and Dave appears out of nowhere. It's like the magic <laughs> word. You just rubbed the lamp. He's like summoned. <laughs> Mid three of each already today. <laughs> the, the Highland bullpen expert. So it's an interesting analogy to sort of look at sort of lower level baseball. It's probably it, crowds are similar. I think what you like in these situations is you can pick out you can pick out the committee men, you can pick out the regulars, you can pick out the big fans, the, the wives and girlfriends are there. You can see all that taking place in front of your eyes. And I think that's a fantastic experience. As as you ground hob, as you go to different sports arenas, I like it's it's people watching you're doing it's you're you're looking at the stadium, it, it's the people watching, the car park, uh, car park was it was just like in a, the community complex to be you're parking beside people who are going to the gym, you're you're coming out having had your chips and pie pint, <laughs> everybody the the other half of the people are away home having done their spin class or whatever it was <laughs> on, on that night as well so, uh, the the Melton. Uh, town where well beat that night. Uh, it was 3-0. I think it maybe 0-0 at half time, but the the nomads um who with studying the league table and the program, not surprisingly, the nomads picked up three points um and, and moved on. Evening game, but it looked like a nice town to visit, Melton. Uh as with a lot of English towns and villages like nice big cathedral. There as well, and again, you're seeing that in the evening. It looks uh, well, well lit up. Had a wee wander around the the, the town centre, like a market centre with a market cross and all that there as well. And Eng- English towns, I, I think they're good good places to visit and go and see. And we we bit of history around them then as well. And they probably a lot of people probably say the same about a lot of Scottish names, but a lot of the the names of these places are fascinating as as well to me. So. Uh, it was a good one. It was the, they play in the United Counties League, Premier League North. Yorkshire, Dave, have you ever been to, to Melton over the years, home of the famous pork pies? Have you ever been there? No, regrettably. <laughs> I missed out on that one. Yeah. Sort of uh, great pies of the world, though. That's got to be one. Um, you know, this say this for another day, but... Um, you know, the sort of ground hopping thing was down in uh, Devon for Dartmouth AFC um, <clears throat> earlier, well, last year now. 
and uh, enjoyed a fantastic half time. I mean, it was a it was a pasty, so I don't know whether Devon object to being called a Cornish pasty, but it was a really good pasty. And to big up Scotland, the best is a bride in it, the fourth a bride. Yeah which I actually had. It was like a size of a dinner plate. <laughs> I had it at um, Strathmore Cricket Club. In Scotland, were playing Lancashire. We had a couple of lads, um, all three of us who were non-drivers, uh, took the bus over and had a fantastic day and uh, a few beers. And um, we all had <laughs> four for Bride each, <laughs> the size of a dinner plate. Continuing on the food theme, because uh, I'll, I'll maybe get my disappointment out of the way before I, I I loudly praise what I saw, but Lincoln, where I went to. Lincoln, I think, as you pointed out earlier, Richard, it's the Sinsel Bank Stadium, S-I-N-C-I-L-L. Now, there is a wee river, which presumably is the Sinsel, River Sinsel, maybe, that r- runs along. But when I say we as well, I mean, it's... It's one or two meters wide. It's it, it's not significant at all. If that is indeed the Sinsel River, an old stadium, a um, couple of odd stands. They've got what I presume to be the the main stand because that's where the the teams come out of. It. And they've built too many stands on either side of it. But I, I'm, I'm fair play to the club. That'll be finances permitting. I had cheese and chips. Sorry, Dave. You're going to ask a question. Oh, I was just going to say, surely uh, one of America's finest acts missed out on sponsoring uh, the actual stadium, Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, well, tragically, there's a new name for the stadium now. I say tragically, I maybe shouldn't, but it probably helps the, the club financially. The LNER Stadium for the London Northeastern Railway. Uh, so a lot of traffic, a lot of train traffic will go down through there, but it's good to see these big organisations then putting money into what you'd term at English league level community clubs like, like Lincoln. So I'll, I'll maybe do this the other way around now and say that the catering outside the stadium at Lincoln, I would suggest, does match what you might expect to see in the USA. And I don't honestly think I've seen anything like this in the UK. But it was almost around down the side of one of the stands. They had like eight to ten like catering units. So you know how you obviously you'll get your your chip van selling your burgers. But they had like a, a coffee and donut one. Um, they, they had a beer one. They had a good variety of different catering vans there, which actually you then looked at and thought, actually, you're coming into like a wee village a community environment here and if you're in a different group of people who want to eat and drink different things absolutely great so fair play to lincoln for having that that set up i I went for cheese and chips and i would have to say it was a bit disappointing gents the chips were served and the guy went in and took a handful of cheddar uh, that was grated and dropped it on top of the chips Uh, now i like my cheese and chips i'd have thought it would be nicely melted in there as you worked your way through the plate you'd have had a wee bit of cheese nicely melted onto your chips at different points but it didn't quite uh, match that so 
wee bit disappointing, a wee bit of work to be done on what, what's a great concept. No mayonnaise, Alan? No. No, no mayonnaise, no crockets, but yeah, there's there's improvements to be made. What what I would say, it's obviously to show you how popular it is, um, and it is an unusual arrangement. They obviously don't have any catering inside the stadium. So what you then get, like five minutes before half time, you know how the people people will always go and get their pie after 40 minutes because they want to don't want to be in a queue. They'd rather miss five minutes of the game in queue for 10 minutes during half time. So you actually end up with a steady procession of people leaving Sinselbank or the LNER stadium to go outside the ground uh, for like seven or eight minutes. And it starts off with a couple of people, a slow trickle. But then it's like on the running track almost. <laughs> you think of like they're, they're seven or eight deep uh, all walking to get out there. So the locals like it. I'm sure I was just a wee bit unfortunate with my cheese and chips. Um, but, yeah, no, no, fair, fair play to them. It's a great, great idea. You mentioned Grantham earlier on, Alan. And uh, does anyone know who's the most famous uh, Grantham person, Alan? I'm sure you probably will know, but I don't know if there's anything Le- to tribute to her. Leslie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's it. laughs> he, no, she was Leslie. No, I think Leslie was Leslie of Grantham rather than from yeah. Grantham. I, well, that was, but. I did. So there's a couple of things. I, I did go into Grantham. I had a, is that, again, another nice town to have a look around. That There's something unique I'll come on to. But I did, there were signposts to the home that this lady you're referring to was, was born in, Richard. And I struggled to find the signpost. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm here. It's obviously within distance of me. So let's make sure I go and go and find it now that I'm here. And I, I did, I found it, there's a plaque. I took a picture of the plaque, sent that to some of my mates, one of whom asked, was she born in the middle of a wall? She wasn't born in the middle of the wall, but I guess part of the idea might have been to have the plaque away from the windows. The, the good residents of Grantham might not vandalise it, but having it too near windows might not be the best idea for a testimony to good old Mrs Thatcher. Was it a corner shop? Wasn't it, wasn't her maiden name Roberts, and she lived in a corner shop, and it was like about the time when Coron- I used to still watch Coronation Street, and Sir Alf Roberts used to have the uh, the shop in Coronation Street. Which I don't know, tickled my fancy, but I don't, I don't know if that's where she grew up. Or yeah. I think your a new a newer father was like the a grocer. I never really thought it actually is on a corner. And yeah, I, never, I bet it was. Uh, yeah, we do refer to these things as corner shops. Uh, corner shops, I suppose, is the logical place to put it because you've got an intersection where people will come and go there. I think it's a it's a beauty salon or or, or something now. <laughs> Did you pop an out? Come in. <laughs> Does it look like I popped in? <laughs> but I, I think that was famously part of her shtick, wasn't it? That she knew the value of pounds and pence because she was, you know, kind of from that corner shop. Mentality, yeah. if you like, I'm pretty sure that was part of a yeah. shtick uh, at the time. So, any other famous Grantham folk, Alan? You think, or was Mrs. T all of it? So, a couple of things on that. Well, not not a famous Grantham folk, but I went to a pub, which is I'm told. Do you know how so pubs will have signs outside that represent the name of the pub? So, this pub had something alive to represent the name of the pub. 
Um, so it was a beehive. The, the pub was called the Beehive, and they actually have a beehive, bizarrely, in a tree uh, outside the pub. Oh, I like uh, that. So went went in there for a wee a wee pint. I usually, when I wander around, like to sort of see the, the war memorials, and I, I will have a photo of it. I can't remember the name. I'm sure on the war memorial at Grantham there was uh, a resident who had won the Victoria Cross, which is obviously the the highest honour in the in the British Army. I'm not sure if other any footballing famous footballing residents or whatever. If that's if you. Had any in mind, but no, no. I can't think of anybody either, Alan. I went to Lincoln a few times as a youngster, actually a relative that lived down there, but I can remember very little about it, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> right on the East Coast, isn't it? Is that right? Right on the yeah. East Coast of England, yeah. Yeah, you're quite quite East Coast. It was, um, so I, I was obviously, just a wee bit of advice for people, I was obviously driving to Lincoln from the north. Um, when I got to, there's obviously a ring road goes around Lincoln, and my sat nav wanted me to go straight into the city. There were signposts for the football traffic to go on the ring road, which which I did. Uh, I got stuck in traffic. I'm assuming the signposts were to avoid football traffic all going through the city centre. Me being me gets a wee bit frustrating for a while, but what it did was it took me fairly close to a public park where they were selling parking for £5 a go, and that was like... 500 yards from the ground. So that was absolutely ideal and worth worth doing that. Did a wee bit of park, quite, quite often with the parking things, I don't, when I'm going to different grounds, you just sort of think, yeah, I'll park somewhere in the in the street. And I think when you're in Scotland, you know roughly where you're going to and you think you've got a good idea, I can go and do this. But interestingly, I, I, I veered off my normal stuff. So when I went to Watford, I thought, well, you're actually in London here. So do I need to get, Parking. So Watford were selling parking on their website for £10. It was in a school grounds. It was a 10, 15 minute walk away from the city, from the ground, sorry, the stadium. And it was pretty good. Uh, I got away, avoided the traffic. The traffic issues coming out of Watford are getting onto the motorway, which probably nobody's going to avoid anyway. So that was a good idea. Tried to do the same for Stoke, one or two things, and I couldn't get any. So I don't know if any of you have come across this, but uh, I was looking for parking near the ground at Stoke and I randomly ended up on an app called Just Park. It's a bit like Just Eat. So I don't know if you've come across it, but this is where people sell their space on their driveway so you can then get parking. Uh, and I paid, I think the chap charged me £9, 10-minute walk to the stadium. You just park in his on their driveway. I thought it was, a, it was a decent idea. I'm sure there's places you could park nearby you maybe didn't charge. There might be places you could have done it a wee bit cheaper. I think the advantage here is, you know, if you're turning up late, you know you've got a space, you know you're not going to be annoying people or you turn up in a street and think, actually, there's only there's no spaces left there. So that's that's actually quite good. And, and to give Just Park a wee bit more of a plug, I'm actually, I've got a day trip from Glasgow Airport soon, and I thought oh, I'll I'll try that. And I've again a fifteen minute walk from the Glasgow Airport. I've got parking for the day for three pound thirty or something. So quite quite an interesting concept. That's pretty good, Alan. So you get just park, just eat on a similar basis. I used one recently uh, to hire a French footballer for my local team, uh, Just Fontaine. <laughs> worked out quite well. <laughs> oh dear. 
Yeah. I'm more of a fan of just drink, really, to be honest with you. But they are very old, they all sound good. Yeah, yeah, I like the well, the just drink, the untapped app. Got a few. That's one of the great things I like about when you go to an English. Uh, we we like logging our beers. Certainly, Dave Senior and myself do that, and you get wee badges. So I got a badge for I don't know something level ten or whatever of drinking alcohol in stadiums, uh, which is quite. Nice to do. So I normally manage to get myself a wee pint when I go to the, these places as well. That was good. Does the Untap Tap, is it chronological? Could you go back and remember the very first pint you logged? Yeah, yes. I think there's a paid version of Untapped, which probably makes navigating it a lot easier. I'm, I'm still on the, the basic app. I have, so if you said to me when you're in Toronto or Chicago, Alan, where would you go? Uh, I, I could go onto the app and then find my beers from then. I think if you had the paid version, if Untapped are willing to give me a trial of the, the paid version, I think that would work like your photos in an iPhone where you'd go on a world map, you'd press Chicago, and then you'd see all your photos or all your beers you've, you've had in Chicago. Oh, that sounds good to see it. That sounds very impressive. And if you are listening Untapped, please bear Alan in mind while you're next in dishing out some freebies. Got a beer at Leicester City. Yeah, it's Le- Leicester City, the last English club outside the big four or five to win the league and probably going to be the last for a, a while then to do that as well. So I went, they, they had a women's Super League game, a nice, nice stadium, good bit of investment. Obviously investing in the women's game as well. I like, I like my, I added, there was no programmes, but I added to my collection of clapper boards because they had clapper boards out in the seats for all the fans, which helps create a wee bit of atmosphere there as well. I like the fact that a team like Leicester were hosting their women's side in their main stadium as well. Don't know how that ties in with the men's team's schedule, but I thought that was that was good. I think that can only help the game. I think it'll attract more people to the game. It's more comfortable. I had a lovely pie at Leicester City as well, I have to say. True feeling there, <laughs> They had a bit of, this is actually contradicting the, the Lincoln thing, they had a pie with blue cheese on the top, but it was like a wee, almost like a wee sticker of blue cheese. But it did did seem to um, add to the taste. So, no, well done there. And I had a, there's a few good breweries in, in the Midlands as well. So uh, we're getting good good choices of beers in the grounds as well. It's not bad light. I, I like that as well. So, yeah, the, the, they won as well, bottom of the table clash. In fact, they were playing Brighton, who the week before had beaten Arsenal, which I think was Arsenal's first defeat of the season. And it was one of those bizarre ones because Brighton had hardly won anything all season as well. So it was it was good, good game. Women's football as well, it's the, the most obvious difference uh, when you watch the men's game is you don't get... You don't get fouls. You don't get bad challenges. They're they're trying to play. It's obviously played at a different pace and different skill levels. But they're they're trying to play football and knock the ball about. It's not it's not the blood and thunder that we might be a wee bit more used to, as well. So, good good luck to them. What was the crowd like, Alan? I mean, the kind of obviously the makeup of the crowd, but it's not the word I want to use as context. The constituency of the crowd was it similar to a, a typical game? No, there's um, a lot lot more. Females, I think. I think the one thing that's obvious there, and it probably makes sense, is you. I was at Ibrox last night, and you, you won't see many groups of two or three females going to a game together. 
but at, at the women's game, you saw a lot of that. A lot of couples, a lot of families, fem- females together. So I, I would say it's quite different, which again is probably quite important for the game as well, because you're then expanding out the interest for you're you're getting you're pulling people in. I do I do wonder it wasn't expensive. I think it was eight or nine pound to get in. But you then wonder would would it help them if they then had like season ticket holders getting in for free, or does that just get harder for them to manage if they if they think we know we've got a crowd of fifteen hundred or, or whatever. If you don't if it's season if you're letting people in with season ticket, does that then cause problems that suddenly you get twelve thousand one day or something? I think Hib, Hibs might have done that. Hibs ladies might have done that recently. And I think they might have set an attendance record if you check that this this season, the Scottish Women's League. That's an interesting one, Alan. I can I can see both sides of the argument there, but I think you it's a good point about just the size of the crowd you can attract and Everyone that comes along, as you say, it's a slightly different experience, but you may be creating a new type of fan that likes that, frankly, that kind of yeah. more of the focus on the actual the football, rather than, as you say, the blood and thunder are often the, the fud and blunder, as it turns out to be up here. <laughs> Dave Jr. Alan and I have been to a couple of Scottish women's games before. Again, I don't think you're looking at any more than a couple of hundred people would be the expectancy. So if there ever was a situation, and I wasn't aware of the Hibs example, but surely if you can get even doubling your crowd, I don't know, for Hibs women, that could be doubling it from 100 to 200. I might be going well out here and I could be hundreds out. But is there going to be that many issues in terms of catering for them, both in terms of catering itself, but security? I mean, you've got to think that would be an absolute winner. Let season ticket holders for the men's game in for free. Sure, you're missing out some some revenue, but you'd have thought, Oh, you know, the long-term interest of the game. Uh, also, I'd imagine for food and drink, those extra sales that you can make through that yeah. that process as well. And just the overall, this is one thing that I felt football clubs have, have let women down in the last 10, 15 years. The term club features for whoever you support. Club is, is fundamental to, to the name of your team. And I think that so many of our clubs still are very compartmentalised when it comes to the divisions of their football. If it's men, if it's women, if it's kids, if it's their affiliates. We've travelled abroad and seen clubs are proud of having everything under that one umbrella. Whereas over here, I think we're still very much, men's football is clearly the big seller across the country. It probably always will be. To make everything a bit more of a, just one, I know it's kind of utopia having that one community, but I think there's a, a hell of a lot more, especially the bigger teams can do to try and amalgamate everything into, into that one sitting. I, I remember, I think it was last season, and you start to see, I think the Rangers' first team for the men were down watching the Rangers' women's first team playing. And I thought, you know, apparently the women took a huge boost from that. And I just think if you can pull more people in and make it this actual, the word club, it should be members of sort of like-mindedness um, maybe not too parochial, but it, it should be one support for one club. If you love the men, you know, love the women as well. Go, go along, support the, the, the unders as well. Um, I, I just think there's a whole lot more we could do, um, potentially, uh, as a country. You're right, Dave Jr. I think that's also a bit there, not only about bringing all the football together into that club community feel, but they've been doing that abroad for decades, like a lot of the big Spanish, Portuguese clubs and others. They've got their basketball team there as well you know it's not just the, the football it's a whole sporting community almost disintegrated yeah and handball you know hockey's big in in holland as well 
you get all these things, and even the things that they do to outreach to the community, homeless, you know, any other charities, maybe going a bit far just now in this conversation. But yeah, there's there's a lot that we can. I, th- I think certainly, in, if you look at the money in English football, I mean, Scottish football is a wee bit different. We, we don't, but the, the money that floats around in English football, and and Sky have put a lot of money into the English. WSL as well, which good as well. But one of the things that struck me a simple thing, like when I went to Leicester, the, the parking facilities at the ground were open, the catering was open. I got my pie and my pint. How often would you turn up to a game like that elsewhere and, and not have access to those facilities? So so I, d- I don't know if you've anyone's Googled the Hibs record attendance thing yet, but I, I have, and it was a record attendance this season. Um, I'm assuming it was played at Easter Road. They were playing against Hearts. So what do you think that record attendance was? 64,000 in 1970. Hills <laughs> <laughs> on Heights. <laughs> I'll go for two and a half thousand, Alan. I'll go for. Yeah, I'll, oh, let's go higher. I haven't, I haven't looked, but they've been very successful, haven't they, the Hibs team? And, you know, local derby, let's say 5,871. 5,512. Joking. <laughs> I'm going to good shout, sir. Yeah, very, so. good, very good guess. That's a, that's a substantial crowd. You know, that's a, that's a, a more than respectable attendance. Plenty of teams within the men's game would be delighted to be getting that crowd. I'm sure yeah. I've been on numerous occasions in the 80s when the uh, the crowd has been, the attendance has been lower than that. Yeah, five and a half thousand is a lot, and yeah, we've been mm-hmm. we've been to plenty of games. I mean, uh, other than the when, when Rangers and Celtic come to town, Ross County aren't getting that sort of crowd. And it's a different population base, obviously, but yeah, so it just shows you. So fair, fair play to them. Well done. And certainly, one thing we would say is where Alan is that for everyone who wants to enjoy an excellent podcast featuring women and, and sport, would recommend Birds with Balls. Yes. Absolutely. Always full of great content in there, even though they absolutely thrash us at fantasy baseball, we're still big fans. <laughs> yeah, there's always 2022 to sort that out, Richard. So Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I'm sure there's a, a whole fresh new humiliation on the horizon. So I went to, um, Dave asked at the start, but my favourite, big, the big one I was looking for, what, what for Norwich? Apologies to all the fans that I then end up sitting around it. Quite often I go to these games, you always say you're going to buy you're asking how to get tickets. You're always going to be buying tickets for the home end. You're not going to get a ticket for the away end. But I don't know why, but I'd have had more sympathy with Norwich than Watford. So I was actually quite content, although quietly content to, to see them see them win. There was a floodlight failure in this game, if anyone was watching on Sky Sports. But bizarre, I mean, nothing happened then for 10 minutes as they waited for the lights to come back on. And then they just carried on with the minimal floodlights they had. So they'd obviously decided we're struggling to get this to work, but actually let's just play on, which was interesting that they'd actually delayed it for that. So that led to, and this is a probably a personal record for me, 15 minutes of injury time, because you've obviously got 10 minutes for that and, and five minutes for everything else. So 2-0 for Norwich going into injury time, but they scored just as the clock turned beyond 90 it was a known goal to, to make it 3-0 a, a nice stadium enjoyed it you're actually like like a lot of these sort of residential area on one side but then there's a lot of you know, sort of cafes and, and what have you on the other side you're not too far from the city centre of, of Watford I don't know if Watford city centre how that would appear in people's lists of great 
city or town centres to visit in their time. But my only the only thing to watch with this one, and it's probably when I, I was driving back the two hours, I might have been very unlucky, but the motorways were severely closed and restricted. And you're relying on sat nav to get you back to somewhere you don't know. And they're telling you, oh, just carry on this road because this is a diversion. So that was a wee bit of a pain. And I think in the UK, we probably have a lot of motorway closures overnight, possibly a Friday night as well, maybe. So that, that was a wee bit unfortunate. But Watford as well, well, well done to Watford. The ball boys have a jacket and on the jacket is written, please throw the ball back to me in case you didn't know what to do with the ball when it goes into the crowd. I've often wondered, so well done to Watford for, for sorting that out. I wonder why, is, has Watford, you know, George or Dave, maybe the best place to help me here, has Watford not always traditionally been seen as where London ends? I'm sure I've heard people talking about civilization ending once you go beyond Watford Gap. Watford Gap, yeah, whether that was the last service station that the away fans would you know, consider visiting on their trip in the 60s and 70s down to the, the capital. But yeah, it's, I don't know really much about Watford as a, as a place, but it's, you know, it's, it's not counted as a London team, is it? It's quite a bit further out than the than the, the capital. Um, sort of it and Luton are, you know, perhaps associated with the capital, but I don't think they are. Yeah. Is it 12 or 13? It's probably changed a bit since I were a lad now. It's one of them sort of questions that you would, need to know the answer to name all 11 or 12 London teams, but probably with the, the you know, sort of the old non-league teams coming in, maybe a bit different to what it was. But how do how do we fancy an impromptu quiz then? Let's see who gets stumped first. London teams, we could go up, we could start off with Alan, then Dave Jr., then Yorkshire Dave, I'll go last and we'll see who, we'll see who, who, who is the one who okay. doesn't know in the end, I guess. Alan, would you like to start with a London team? Arsenal. Dave Junior. Dave Junior, who are you who are you going for? Sorry, Spurs. Yorkshire, Dave. Well, let's go. Let's go with the obvious, and um, we'll say Chelsea. Okay, I'll go for Fulham. So it's back to Alan. West Ham United. Crystal Palace. This might have been the one that uh, a lot of people would have left off back in the day. But now they're a Premier team, so I'll go for the, the Bees. Brentford, that used to have probably the best ground I've ever visited. Griffin Park, famously, and that was in a residential area. Very nice. And it famously had a pub <laughs> at each corner of the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sucks. Yes. Indeed. I knew that's where you were going. That's, that's football fine heaven. The last one we went into was a... It was a Celtic supporters club uh, boss that uh, ran out of there. So, oh, you've just put Alan off it again now. Well, go for Brentford. Yeah, Brentford. I'll go for Millwall, and we're back at Alan. Charlton. Fulham. What did you miss, Richard? Saying that earlier. Oh, uh, uh, Wimbledon AFC Wimbledon. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, we'll give you that. We'll give you that, Dave Junior. I think they've decamped to Milton Keynes, haven't they? Is on the reborn? Ah, they've been. You're right. No, you're right. Absolutely. Yorkshire, Dave. I'll go for the O's. Who've been the Orient, Leighton Orient, Clapton Orient. Yeah, good choice. I'll go for uh, Barnet. Yes. Yeah. Good one. I'm going to go. Well, 
We've not actually mentioned Watford yet, have we? Well, we're counting that as a London team. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, they're in the Greater London area. It's getting tough now, Alec. Am am I not getting Watford? Tottenham reserves. (laughs) I don't know. Have you got a list of them somewhere? Because I'm, I'm kind of running out. I'm done. I'm absolutely horrified. You don't know one. Yeah, there's one big one that I'm thinking of that hasn't been mentioned yet. They they combine, if you would think about the fashion sense for Richard and the staunchness of yourself. Uh, the only the only Rangers. Oh yes, yes. Sorry, yes. <laughs> the Queen's Rangers. Queen. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, uh, Dave Junior. Oh, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to allow him here. Uh, Sutton United at the end of the football league. I know Sutton's kind of London-based. Is Sutton kind of Surrey direction from from MD? I thought it was M- Mid- Midlands, was it not? Has MD said Chelsea? Yeah. Yeah, I, can, I, I did sort of go for that yeah, just because I didn't want to get any one of the difficult ones. No, quite um, a What was it? Dagenham? Oh, that Essex direction there. Uh, yeah. And we've said West Ham as well, haven't we? So but Sutton, uh, Sutton is in South London, yeah. Uh, is that... That's done. We've got a lot. You think Yorkshire, Dave? Have we got a lot? Yeah, there's just one more. Isle of Dogs Rovers. That's it. (laughs) Good good stuff. Yeah, that was impressive. So, yeah, I finished my trip off. um, Obviously, drove home on the Saturday, but you then have a choice of coming home. I wanted to get a game that was probably not too near home, that would be reasonably handy. So I went to Stoke. Uh, so Stoke is actually only about a four-hour drive from Glasgow, which is not bad. The Bet 365 Stadium, the Britannia Stadium. <coughs> um, uh, n- nice setup in an industrial estate, as I said, I mentioned the parking earlier. We've got statues for Stanley Matthews and Gordon Banks there. Stanley, going along Stanley Matthews' way. Gordon Banks with the World Cup trophy, and Gordon Banks actually signed for Stoke after playing for England in the World Cup final. If Did you know England had won the World Cup in 1966, by the way? Was that? Uh, should have mentioned that, Al. Yeah, yeah. I know it's not been heard before, but yeah. So, yeah, I quite, quite liked it. Bizarrely, uh, I have a wee thing with my mates where we... It must have been with Leicester City then. Yes. Yeah. So, so we have a, a wee bit of fun with my mates each week and we do a wee bet on we each pick a game where both teams will score. Uh, just a bit of fun. But it was 1-1 in the Stoke-Fulham game and the clock hadn't even struck two minutes. And I don't think in all my years of watching football I have seen that before. Uh, I hope I'd wish, I'd wish I'd picked that game. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> eight, 88 minutes of relaxing. Um, but uh, yeah, good, good set. Fulham won. Fulham are in big form just now and as well. Well, destined to be back in the in the Premiership. I like like the stadium, I like the setup, but bizarre. They're, they're catering. I wanted, I wanted like a pie and a pint before the game, and I had to get them from two different outlets. And then at half time, I went for like a coffee and a bit of chocolate. And I bought my coffee, and the, they said, "Oh no, you, you get the chocolate at another stand." And you thought, "This is a bit of a pain." So maybe if I'd known what I was doing, you can just imagine the guy with a big box of chocolate under his thing. Oh, the other side of the stadium, sir. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're... <laughs> Fucking joke, <laughs> <laughs> There's another sweaty sock. We'll, we'll leave. We'll leave him to. We'll leave oh, him. 
it serves you right because I, I think that's the least traditional eating and drinking combo I've ever heard of at a football match. Chocolate and coffee. Poor. Well, it's my half time. Well, I'm dri- driving home then, so that was my. The, the coffee was the essential ingredient to make sure that the four-hour drive and the, the Stoke was an easy enough place to get out off and onto the, I think it was the onto the M6 was it? and then just head up the M6 pretty pretty easy drive so it's not as inaccessible as you might think so all, all in all a, a good trip four league grounds and five grounds in total and in between that a visit to Southwell or Southall racecourse good stuff and that's me up to 37 grounds in the English League. I've done eight this season, and I thought I'd started the season on 32, but obviously that was post-pandemic, or not post-pandemic, we're not in that situation, but pre-pandemic I was on 32, but the aforementioned Brentford and Tottenham have got new stadiums. I think one or two teams that I'd been to as well have also been demoted from the English League, so... What's what's your record? Have you now been to more um, gate uh, grounds that are actually still standing, or are you still uh, your demolished grounds? Is that is that still still your record? Because I think it is on my uh, on, uh, yeah. Demolished demolished grounds is an interesting one. I've never. I don't know if I've ever counted them up. It, it it's frustrating uh, from the English. They don't mind it in Scotland because you think yeah I can go to these grounds quite easily, mm-hmm. but. In the English league, you're thinking, no, I want to get through them quite quickly. I was uh, thinking, do, they, do Stoke still play? It used to be the Victoria ground, I think, didn't it? From just kind of from memory. And quite yeah. often, I think back in the day, and I'm talking about late 70s, we used to sort of travel as a, an away fan for the for these games. I think they used to play their home games on a Friday night. I'm not actually right. sure why. Um, yeah, it was a Victoria ground, but I have a feeling they might still be in the same. Stadium, but it's probably been graded since then. Yeah, I wasn't. Sometimes you get a sense that you're in something new. I wasn't quite convinced of that with that stadium. The, the one thing I did think that might have been new was because it was in an industrial estate. So, right. like when you look at Lincoln and Watford grounds yeah. and Leicester, and Leicester must be a new stadium as well, but it's like in the city. Yeah. Although it was. It's on Filbert Street way of the Leicester ground, so... Did yeah, the old ground was Filbert Street, wasn't it? Yeah. I can't remember too much about the Stoke ground, but you know, a lot of the old grounds used to be in traditional residential areas, didn't they? You know, so I thinking the baseball ground was completely surrounded. Absolute nightmare for a, an away fan in the 1970s where you'd have to, be, you'd have to sort of... Well, I won't say exit the ground or say escape the ground or sort of some very narrow alleyway with lots of uh, ambush spots for the, the home fans to get you. It's funny you mentioned that Yorkshire Dave because uh, I'm reading I don't you're a fan of the comedian Bob Mortimer. Oh uh, yeah. Famous from his Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer now he's going fishing stuff with Paul Whitehouse but how he's got an excellent biography and away and one of the stories he tells, I say he tells fondly, but I'm sure it wasn't fondly, but certainly left a mark on him in more ways than one. He's a, a Middlesbrough fan. Yes. And he talks about being down and going to a game in Leeds in the early 70s and getting leathered by what he refers to. He'd have been, I don't know, a teenager then by some 10-year-old or 11-year-old local Leeds lout. But what he did <laughs> say was that the way they used to catch folk was these gangs of Leeds fans, I say gangs, that's probably unfair, but groups of Leeds fans, 
would come up to somebody they didn't know or they thought might possibly be an away fan and ask them the time and hear their accent. Absolutely true. Yeah, that, that was that is not an urban myth. And that you know, I didn't go to as many away games as, as my mates, but they they said it definitely was a thing. Quite polite, really. <laughs> and then the thing was just to if you were wearing a watch and don't wear an expensive one, just just uh, roll your sleeve up and point to it. <laughs> yeah, you just get leathered anyway, probably. Not, not good for groundhoppers, that, Richard. No, no, that would definitely have been. Groundhopping was obviously a tougher business back, <laughs> in, back in those days. That's why we take Dave with us whenever we go to any game. <laughs> our, our Leeds fan shield, Ricky Sero. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just in case we bump into any... Any Leeds United fans? It's a good book, that well worth a read. And the way the Bob Mortimer biography, it's a, definitely a good read. Good. Also, a good podcast. He does uh, Athletical Mints. Uh, oh, absolutely. Very, very good. I, f- I found that re- relatively late as things go, and I've completely binged my way through. I think it's fantastic having the guy, I think Andy Dawson, is co-host. They're terrific. Well worth a listen. Great. No, I enjoyed. Thanks for asking the, uh, getting me to chat about that. Very enjoyable. Uh, good, good wee trip. Mm-hmm. 